RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. On Reality Check Radio, we have heard, you may remember from Graham Hood, my favourite airline captain in the entire world. And uh, the story that Graham had to tell and the wisdom that he imparted uh, was just fantastic. You really enjoyed that conversation. Well, someone who is kind of in the same space, not an airline captain, but I think as Graham put it, very experienced at risk assessment, it goes to the core of what they've been doing. And you might have seen if you've been following the Club Grubbery uh, on the Facebook and the social media out of Australia, you will know this name, John Larter. And uh, John joins us on Reality Check Radio from somewhere between Sydney and Melbourne. John, it's great to have you. Thanks for making a bit of time for us. Thanks, Paul. And it's great to be uh, with you uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, fantastic. We get a lot of supporters from over there and a lot of messages. So uh, it's good to be able to, uh, to speak with you guys direct. I've been watching um, Club Grubbery for a while. I've been aware of it for a while. And obviously now that I, I kind of know Graham, that uh, even more interest there. And he's right when he says, and you two particularly, uh, have probably more experience than anyone in making risk assessments. It, it goes to the core of what both of you have been doing for most of your lives, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Gra- Graham, obviously, as an airline captain and myself as a paramedic, but uh, I've also got uh, a background in aviation as well. So, uh, oh, we, we certainly have a uh, you know a lot of experience in dealing with uh, uh, risk benefit analysis for sure, which is really what th- that is the debunking sort of mindset for all of this, isn't it? Understanding risk assessment because the the whole decision to play this silly game is ultimately based on that, isn't it? Well, I, yeah, 100% it is. It's it, it's about applying common sense to a problem. And common sense, uh, unfortunately, isn't that common. I mean, we've, we've got some of the smartest people in the world, but they're proving to be very dumb. Uh, and I suppose it, it just goes to show that uh, uh, you, you don't always need five university degrees to demonstrate that you, you're very capable of, uh, of being a uh, a, a good corporate citizen uh, and people, uh, you know, for, for obvious reasons, hold doctors in high esteem. But I mean, they've demonstrated through this that uh, some of them just don't have any common sense, can't apply any logic, don't do any obvious risk benefit analysis. They're just following orders. They're just doing as they're told. They've just been doing as they've learnt. And uh, the, the, the proof is in the, uh, in the results, unfortunately. That's quite shattering, isn't it? Because I think we're all led to believe that particularly doctors and family doctors could be trusted more than anyone and that they knew their stuff and they trained for years and years and they adhere to the do no harm principle, the precautionary principle. Turns out for a lot of them, none of that applies at all. Yeah, I think you're right, Paul. And I I think it's the same in any industry. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, you always come across morons, uh, (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's there's dopes in every uh, every aspect of uh, of life, unfortunately, and uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, on this occasion, they appear to be running the entire show, and uh, the 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 ability to cut through uh, with with common sense and uh, the ability to to make arguments has been drowned out by the media, and you know we're we're in a, we're in a desperate situation now where. Uh, we can't, um, we can't essentially, uh, you know, get any traction because those that 
are applying common sense that those that uh, uh, have got uh, a different viewpoint uh, aren't aren't being heard and it's only through mediums like yours that uh, that their voices can be heard do you get a sense um in australia obviously that there's a waking up happening is it well I think people are. I think people are becoming more and more aware that there's something very peculiar going on in relation to injuries, for sure. Uh, people are obviously getting a lot of uh, different ailments that uh, w- were uh, being put down to COVID, being put down to long COVID. But you don't have to be Einstein, do you, to work out that uh, you know if you if you're up to your fourth or fifth jab of this stuff and you're still getting COVID and you're still getting sick. Uh, and you look at those that aren't vaccinated, there doesn't seem to be any obvious uh, fallout amongst those that are unvaccinated from what I've seen. They appear to have either got got COVID at some point, developed natural immunity and sort of just got on with their lives. Uh, but those that uh, are vaccinated are winding up injured or in hospital. And, I mean, that 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 can be no more clear than when, Brad Hazard, the former New South Wales Health Minister, uh, stopped publishing the data on those that were uh, the, the vaccination status of those in hospital with a COVID di- diagnosis uh, in in 2022. I mean, all the people in in the December data that were in hospital or intensive care were 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 vaccinated, and uh, unfortunately, those that were uh, had received four doses or more were the bulk of those people in hospital and they were the bulk of people uh, in intensive care. And, and even, uh, even on those statistics, I mean, the bulk of people wouldn't have had four doses. I mean, there's been a lot of hesitancy since. So I would say the majority of, of Australia would be sitting at the, uh, the two-dose mark, uh, possibly three, but... Uh, the overrepresentation of those people uh, in in the uh, in in the four doses or more in intensive cares uh, demonstrates that this this product is uh, is is horribly horribly uh, unsafe. Yeah, Brad Hazard, interesting character. Um, he's and I think we've seen other um, countries do that. Stop publishing that sort of data. So he gets up every morning and he knows that this has happened. Mm. I mean, what could be going on in his head and others in those, you know, uh, positions like him? This is what people wonder. I mean, I'm not asking you for an answer, but you must have thought about that. Why do they? Why do they carry on? <laughs> they think they can win this ultimately. Yeah. Well, well look, there's been some very poor advice. Uh, given by health officials, uh, and that that advice has essentially uh, been unchecked by bureaucrats. Uh, th- there hasn't been a think tank. There, there hasn't been any resolve from anyone to to intervene. I mean, even if you look at the regulators in this country uh, that that uh, are responsible for the administration of health, I mean, all of these people have been infected by this madness. Uh, the regulator uh, ARPRA uh, that that is in charge of all the health practitioners. I mean, they're like an octopus. They've got tentacles everywhere, uh, and all they want to do is smash up people uh, 
who have a difference of opinion. And when you think about it, I mean, this is the point that Graham Hood and I make. Uh, you, you should be encouraging people in a human factors environment. I mean, airline, airlines went through this issue 20 years ago where you would have the captain of an aeroplane and the captain would be in charge and nobody would dare question what the captain did or said on the cockpit uh, floor. Uh, you could be flying into a mountain and you would have the three people in the back of the cockpit just sit there like dumb idiots watch, watching all these mistakes being made. That was the same in, in the medical industry uh, to some extent where you would have rogue surgeons and uh, people doing uh, crazy things and nurses and doctors and physios and, and every other professional was too scared to say anything. We developed this culture uh, out of those aviation accidents across a whole myriad of, 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 um, of, of industries that now encourage or should encourage people to speak up and say, no, that's not right. Uh, I'm not happy with this. Can we, can we revisit it? I think that's unsafe. Um, and challenging people uh, at the time uh, in, a, in a friendly team environment to basically come up with the right decision because the last thing we want to do is, is give patients the wrong drug. Uh, we, we don't want to uh, end up uh, setting the altitude 500 feet lower than the, than the hill and flying into a hill. And if you see these things going on, then you need to speak up. But APRA, the regulator of medicine and practitioners in Australia, sent a letter to every health practitioner saying that if you spoke out against the government narrative on the vaccination of uh, COVID, then you were going to be disciplined, you were going to be reprimanded. Now, you can imagine a doctor having basically studied their entire life from kindergarten uh, for probably the best part of 30 years to become a specialist. It's, it's, it's a horrible situation to be putting them in uh, when, when they've basically given up their entire uh, adolescence to, to do this one job. And now you're basically saying to them, if you speak up, we're going to take that job away from you. Uh, you've got a million-dollar mortgage. We're going to take your job away from you. You won't be able to pay your mortgage. Uh, so uh, the, the, the situation was absolutely catastrophic. Uh, and it wasn't about promoting a, a safety environment. It wasn't about promoting uh, uh, good governance. It, it, it was about control. And we now find ourselves in a, in a horrible situation where uh, we know that from the documentation of all the, uh, the, the, the vaccines from Pfizer and the like, that these products were unsafe. They should never have got uh, to a point uh, where they were given to humans uh, there was alternate options that were never progressed, and we now know why they were never progressed. Because if they'd have progressed those alternate options, they would never have got the emergency use authorization for these uh, COVID vaccine experimental drugs. And it, it, it's an absolute tragedy uh, that we're now in this situation where Graham Hood and I have been interviewing doctors from all over the world. And some of them are suggesting that possibly millions of people have died from these vaccines. Well, wow. uh, and I, I don't doubt it. I mean, this stuff. I mean, on a scale 
of of uh, madness. This is like Nazi Germany, uh, but nobody's calling it out except for a few. Yeah, that's that that analogy you used to, about uh, human factors and and its origin and aviation. It's amazing that someone would sit there, like you say, flying to the mountain and not have that basic life preservation instinct mm. to mm. overcome. I don't know what uh, some sort of lack of confidence in in challenging, you know, the elephant in the room right in front of you. Well, well, they were always subservient to the captain. That, and that's the problem. That was the problem with aviation incidents uh, 20 or 30 years back. And that's why they developed human factors in aviation. And it became a mandatory requirement to actually undergo that training so that you actually participated with your team in the cockpit to ensure that these accidents didn't happen. Because uh, there, there was, uh, I, I'd say it was probably a leftover from... from um, Military. Um, yeah, from from the military, from wars, where you know the, the you you were in charge and you had to make decisions, and and uh, that's how it happened. And especially in in a lot of these European and Asian countries, where uh, you, you know once you got to that status, you you were it, uh, and and it, there was a very very uh, uh, un- uncomfortable arrangement in these cockpits, um, and that had to be uh, that had to be um, removed, uh, and it was. Uh, successfully uh, you know now where aviation is actually uh, c- the complete opposite and yeah. and and it should be where it, it, it's basically uh, a situation where if 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 the rest of the crew aren't happy with something that the captain's doing they can actually remove the captain from their seat yeah um, yeah well that, that that's what i was thinking you know um i don't want to die is overridden by i don't want to challenge it's 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 kind of weird yeah, so you, yeah. you guys have been what traveling. I know Graham's done quite a bit of traveling. I'm presuming you have too. And I want to get to your experience in, as a paramedic as well. But you, you must have got around so many people. Um, what what sort of perspective has that given you? I guess it's an obvious answer, but you know, a bit of detail. What's that experience? Yeah, what's that been like? Yeah, look, well, well Graham's obviously done a lot more of the traveling uh than i have just because of the circumstances we're in but uh i've done a bit and look i've got to say that uh, i I think uh graham is right and i think many others uh agree that what we need to do is is essentially i I mean even naomi wolf uh, uh, uh essentially pointed to this um as as a way of getting out of this mess that we need to rebuild communities and that basically uh, is requiring uh, people to go back to their community and 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 establish um, that that old school value of, of community and you know that that uh, let's go down and get half a pound of sugar out of the out of the shop type thing you know uh, sharing produce uh, caring for your neighbour uh, you know even even uh, getting up off the seat for an elderly person on a train, you know, that sort of stuff's just gone out the door. Um, and we've we're, we're found that, uh, I think Graham says quite rightly, that uh, uh, if, if Australia was a, uh, a patient, it would be in a, a psych ward. You know, it's, uh, it's just completely mad what's going on at the moment. Uh, but there is... There is a level of optimism out there in in communities. A lot of people are now doing 
um, their own thing. They're um, they're they're rebuilding their lives. That they they've gone uh, into into pathways and taken opportunities that they wouldn't have considered five years ago. They would have just kept going on and on. So it's it's almost it's like it's a little bit of a reset, bit of an opportunity uh, for people to reevaluate uh, where they were heading. And uh, I've, I've got to say, it's not 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 the way to, to, to do it. I mean, it would have, uh, I mean, we'd have been better off without the the complete um, overreach and bureaucracy and carnage that they've caused. But, uh, I mean, w- we've got to deal with what's there. So uh, we have to be optimistic and, and look for options and uh, and provide some leadership going forward for those uh, to, um, to, to, to help them get out of this mess. Uh, there's, there's so much devastation, whether it be mental illness, uh, uh, financial hardship. I mean, even when you think about it, I mean, just families have just been completely destructed by this. Uh, marriages have been broken up. Kids have, you know, uh, are now separated from, from one of their parents. Uh, in, in some cases, uh, we've been advised, uh, you, you know, say, for instance, uh, siblings are at war. Uh, and and the parents um, uh, agree with one set of siblings on 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 uh, on vaccination and not the others, and now they've been cut out of the will. And you know, you know oh, that when well, you think yeah. about all this sort of stuff, like you, you don't realise just the impact of it. I mean, it's it, it really is horrific. Well, I hope they're bloody happy. Yes, making all this happen. You really did a great job on everybody, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, it, it's just been uh, – it, it really has been uh, quite amazing just how they've gone about it and how it's continued to uh, operate. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, 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 look, I think that's that, that part of it's down to the media, uh, in my opinion, because this could have ended some time ago. I mean, there has been enough voices speaking up and saying there's problems here sensible people uh but they're not getting traction anywhere in the media and and the mum and dad that are watching the uh, the public broadcaster at night aren't getting that information in their lounge rooms and that's the problem well they're getting their reality kind of shaped for them aren't they they are 100 percent, and it's powerful very powerful yeah yeah that's for sure and 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 there's only a few even now uh media outlets that that dare to uh speak about the vaccine injured or i mean it's hard to believe like hoodie and i are now in the process of, of trying to fight for a young girl she's 16 years of age uh um she's been a cancer sufferer all her life and she's she's been uh, subjected to a regime of drugs uh due to her cancers that have now decimated her lungs and she needs a, a, a bilateral lung transplant now st vincent's hospital in sydney uh, and many will recall St Vincent's Hospital from the Victor Chang days, uh, who pioneered heart surgery in in the world. Basically, uh, Dr Victor Chang, who was uh, executed uh, back in the nineties um, over an extortion. Now, uh, he, I'm sure he would be turning in his grave. He would never uh, have expected that that heart that lung transplant team that he uh, set up in that era. Uh, and, and, the, and the Fiona Coots of the world that ended up getting hearts, uh, you would be at a, a point in 2023 where they are being demanded to have three vaccines instantaneously, not, not, not over a period of time, but that they're demanding that, 
that this 16-year-old girl has three vaccines straight up uh, before they'll consider her for a transplant. And uh, then they're demanding that they've, that they've got to give her another booster in six weeks. It, it, it just defies belief. That- uh, do they actually want to just kill her? Is that, is that what they're trying well, to do? Well, it, it would appear that way. I mean, it's it, 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 you come back to risk benefit analysis. I mean, it's there's no there's no benefit uh, in in doing that. It, it is it, she, she's not at risk. It's just completely ridiculous. And they're supposed to be a religious outfit, uh, St Vincent's. I mean, they 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 were run by the Catholic nuns. I mean, how how has it got to the point where where they're now putting caveats on what you know how how who will receive lungs and hearts i mean it's crazy stuff so you're sort of in the fight for that um how, how's that going then i'm curious to know well we're still in the process of exposing it all i mean see this is the problem the general public aren't aware that this is this is going on um and and then i suppose you've you've then got these uh, you know all these people think that doctors have uh, are, are gods uh, and they know best. So all these elderly people out there would would revere their doctors, and they, you know, they think whatever the doctor's saying. And so, if a doctor says that this this young girl shouldn't get a heart transplant because she's or a lung transplant because she's going to uh, waste the lungs, uh, we need to give her these three jabs to protect her. Um, they would everyone out there would be thinking, oh well, that's reasonable. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but that, as you know, it's just complete nonsense. I mean, if you look at the data, there's nothing to support uh, that at all. In fact, in in our opinion, and 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 those uh, that that bother to look at the data, in fact, they're putting the organ at risk. Uh, it's it's just completely ridiculous. Um, so, look, we just huh. need to keep exposing it, Paul. Um, internationally, we've got Dr. Pierre Corey uh, actually uh, joining us on a panel on club grubbery. Hopefully. Uh, uh, on Sunday, uh, so that should uh, air next week, and uh, uh, maybe may, may uh, Monday night. I, I'm hoping so. Um, yeah, that'll be one to look out for. But that is that is just the state of affairs in Australia. I think that just about sums it up. You got they came yeah. to uh, uh, you know public uh, recognition through through the case with the young baby. Uh, I mean yes. that was that was just another ridiculous scenario, wasn't it? Yeah, well, everyone was ripping themselves to pieces over that, of course. It was just another opportunity for huge division. The fact that, um, you know, like you mentioned, the data, the information, all of that gets lost. It's not even part of it. It's, yep. it's it, I don't know what it is. Is it political or is it, you know, the conflict that comes into it is it's yeah. sort of next, next level. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the Pierre Corey coming on. There are all these new names and heroes coming yes. out of the woodwork around the world, names that we never heard of before that are now, well, I wouldn't say rock stars because I'm sure they don't want to be that, but but I guess freedom fighters, truth speakers and fighters, there's a whole new group of them. It's quite mm. amazing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, people like uh, Dr. Asim Maholtra, who's about to start a tour here. I mean, when you look at his story, that's another, you know, uh, that 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 should be the wake up call to everyone. I mean, he, here we've got a, an esteemed cardiologist. His father was a cardiologist as well. Uh, that was promoting the vaccines for the British government. He he was the pinup boy for them. And his father dies, 
he says, hang on, this doesn't look right. Uh, he does a, uh, a, a paper on his father's death that was peer-reviewed, uh, pointing to, to the uh, death of his father uh, being as a result of the vaccines. And he has now uh, essentially gone out uh, in the media and said, I got it wrong. I yep. shouldn't have supported those vaccines. Um, I thought they were doing the right thing. I thought they were okay, but they're not. He's now said that they should not be given to a human being at yeah, all. They're withdrawn, not- completely withdrawn. So, yeah, they are. They're, they're, they are absolute heroes. And, 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 and you would think that uh, when somebody like that and somebody like Dr. Pierre Corey, I mean, they're, they're just the sort of accidental heroes, really. I mean, yeah. uh, they, they, they are just saving lives every other day of the week. They're going about their, their, their work for 40 or 50 years and, and nobody blinks an eyelid. They, you know, they, they have a send off after, uh, after all that time and that's it. But I mean, uh, here we've got like Dr. Pierre Corey. I mean, he, he actually told Graham and I in an interview, uh, Paul, that if it hadn't have been for a set of circumstances, he would have just wandered downstairs and got the vaccine. Uh, he, he, his wife got the vaccine. Uh, he, he's not an anti-vaxxer. His kids were, were vaccinated. So it was purely just a, a coincidence and luck that he didn't get it. Um, and he, he ended up um, seeing some information that, uh, didn't add up and um yeah and and now he he's basically uh one of the the the, the strongest voices for uh for people um not not having them there were some of us without that expertise like asim malhotra who you know came around there were others and i wonder if you were one of them who from the first moment didn't buy it yeah well look i I've got to say I was very hesitant about it to start with. Uh, I, I wasn't ruling it out, but I wasn't—I certainly wasn't ruling it in. I, I wanted more information, yeah. um, especially given the fact that they were emergency use. Uh, they were a different type of vaccine. They weren't the standard uh, vaccines that we, we were used to. And I was alarmed at a number of doctors, and I, I remember uh, – particularly uh, Dr. Simone Gold, uh, who, who we don't hear a lot about now, but uh, initially she, she was very uh, out, out there about how dangerous these, these, these uh, uh, jabs were. And she was an emergency specialist, but she, she was also a lawyer. And she, she raised a lot of concerns that, that I thought were very valid. And I was lucky, I suppose, in that uh, my brother-in-law is uh, a guy by the name of Steve Kelly, and he was another guy that was sacked uh, by the New South Wales Police after 30 years. He, he worked for the coroner. He was a sergeant in the coronial unit. And he, uh, he, he said to me, these, these things aren't right. There's something not right here. Um, and he raised a lot of issues about it. And I, I started to look into it more and more. Um, and yeah, there, there, when I was at work, I've got to say, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of the Pfizer initially because I think there was supply issues, uh, around New South Wales in, in relation to the, to the supply of Pfizer, but AstraZeneca was the initial drug of choice. 
And I was seeing at work patients who were having strokes and uh, other unusual uh, complaints, and I would even say a number of deaths uh, that I think were likely uh, attributed to the vaccines or very suspicious of it, uh, that none of them were being autopsied. Uh, they were just being put down as uh, having, you know, having had prostate cancer or some other ailment that they'd they'd uh, they'd been diagnosed with previously, and it there was it was like oh, I was nothing to see here, but these people were having very unusual strokes. They were having things that I'd not seen that you know, like in both hemispheres of their brains, little petechiae, in, in little little sort of like look like aero bar sort of. Um, uh, clots on the on the on the scans, and I mean nobody was putting two and two together. I mean even the neurologists uh, uh, that were looking at them was, weren't even. And, I, and I'm saying to these people, how long ago did you have these vaccines? Oh, four weeks ago, you know. And it was just like <clears throat> couldn't couldn't be. No one was even asking the questions. Um, so I, I was completely convinced that they were no good, uh, and and that is just been demonstrated to be the place um i i, I mean people say to me well um uh, you're very brave I, look at the end of the day it's self-preservation i mean well, that's, I, that's one of the point i was making before about the guys in the cockpit you know hang on do you <laughs> want to die or <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know i mean I, I don't know that i was that brave i mean because all i was doing w was essentially saying well i want to survive here i'm, I'm not keen to take the risk yes yeah, I suppose where we were uh, a little bit brave is that uh, we actually not only didn't take it, but we then spoke out about it, and uh, you know, which which had other implications that are still on ongoing, like uh, being suspended uh, as a paramedic, and uh, you know, having to fight that in the courts, and now you know, having uh, costs orders, and uh, you know, so all that has an impact. I mean, that's that's where it becomes. I mean, we, we've still got a ninety thousand uh, dollar bill. Uh, from from Brad Hazard and the state government because we lost our Supreme Court case uh, based on lies from Dr. Kerry Chant. I mean, she said that uh, transmission was 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 um, was basically the number one reason why we couldn't go to work uh, un unvaccinated because the likelihood of transmission uh, increased if we weren't uh, vaccinated. It was absolute BS. Uh, lies. They knew it was lies. And we lost the court case, uh, essentially based on 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 all this uh, lies and information that were given to the court, and 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 for the uh, for the for the um, for all that we had to we have to now pay their costs. I mean, it's just it's just horrific. So, advise you, I'd never pay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they can whistle Dixie for that. Well, they could uh, they could try exactly right, but. Yeah. It's it's mad madness, but that's the sort of stuff that's going on all over the place still. Do you think you'll ever get back into that line of work, or is that now broken for you? Oh, well, look, if they allowed us to go back, I, I certainly would consider it. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I, I loved uh, doing what I did. I know my wife, um, she's a registered nurse with a master's uh, degree in clinical teaching. She's got a, uh, uh, a world of... Um, experience working in emergency departments all over Australia. Uh, you know, what is ridiculous is that we're now fighting to get our jobs back in the Industrial Relations Commission. Uh, they've reserved judgment on it. Now, uh, the, the New South Wales government had 
two barristers and five solicitors uh, stopping us from getting our jobs back at the Industrial Relations Commission. Now, they're offering people a $10,000 sign-on bonus to come back to work as a nurse, and here they are stopping us from, from going to work. I mean, it, it is just completely mad. Uh, the night before I went down to this Industrial Relations Commission, I got an email from the state government asking me as a, as a, uh, as a small business owner, uh, because we're now running a, a camping and four-wheel drive uh, shop for Drifter, uh, they sent me an email uh, asking whether I'd be prepared to sponsor a, an immigration visa program uh, for skilled migrants. Uh, and one of the categories that they, they, were, they were desperate to get uh, Im- immigration uh, skills in was registered nurses. I mean, what an insult. I mean, here we were getting up the next day at two o'clock in the morning to drive down to the Industrial Relations Commission to get our jobs back. And uh, the night before, they're sending me... Uh, emails asking me to sponsor, uh, you know, a, a, a skilled migrant program for the very jobs that we're trying to get back. Well, that's what globalists do. There are no borders, um, John. You realise that, and it doesn't matter where they come from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but- even, I, I mean, it's just got so mad, Paul. I mean, health has just gone to such a, a dismal place in Australia that people in our town in Tumut can't even get face-to-face mental health. Can't even get anyone uh, in, in that capacity. I, I've been told that people who have mental health issues are doing telehealth with people from Tasmania. You know, <laughs> really. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's the state of affairs in New South Wales. I mean, it's it's a basket case when it comes to health. Uh, it, you know, it's it, it is just completely mad. I mean, you probably saw. In the news over there, the recent story of of this police officer that's tasered the ninety five yeah the ninety five year old what the hell the, yeah I mean exactly but see this is the problem I mean that is a government run facility that lady's in uh, that ninety five year old it didn't have a registered nurse there was no registered nurse employed oh, there I see yeah I didn't so, know that you know so they've they they've they've got a lack of uh, skills and resources and and that is now compounding into these problems because i mean if you had a registered nurse there and you had people that were used to dealing with dementia patients uh there would likely be uh, an opportunity to intervene at a lower level to 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 prevent that incident from happening i'm not saying that it wouldn't have but certainly it would have uh you know it would have been uh, a better option to have a registered nurse there with a higher uh clinical care uh skill set to 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 intervene and, and what ended up happening? They ended up having a 95-year-old that was 40 kilos ringing wet on a Zimmer frame uh, that, that had, a, that had a, a kitchen knife, a steak knife or butter knife or whatever it was, and uh, they, they, they couldn't disarm her. Uh, I mean... I can't it, understand that. I, I don't get police, that. You call the police at 4 o'clock in the morning to disarm a, a 95-year-old with a butter knife. I mean, it's just madness. And because of the way the... The system set up the poor police. I mean, I, I actually do feel sorry for the police because the problem is they they are they are process driven, they are protocol driven, they're they're not uh, encouraged to uh, act outside of uh, the 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 uh, the code of conduct and what they're prescribed to do in their in their general operations. And and you know they would have gone down the rule book and it would have said 
you know, person with knife unable to, you know, taser. And so, bang, we've got this situation. Uh, You know, it is just completely ridiculous. I mean, the reason that they're getting rid of people like me uh, and and other police and and the like is because we we dare to question uh, what is happening and we challenge uh, for, for the improvement of safety and we call out this madness within the workplace and they don't want people like us. They, they want to replace us with people that will do as they're told. Well, I'll be dropping in on Club Grovery from time to time and uh, I want to thank you, John, for making a bit of time for us to chat on Reality Check Radio. It's, it was good to meet you. Yeah, great pleasure. Thanks All for right. everyone's support in New Zealand and, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're with you uh, uh, in spirit across the uh, across the ditch and same thanks so much good on you mate god bless rcr with paul brennan reality check radio